and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my free training, The Three Legal and Tax Mistakes Made by New and Experienced Business Owners and How You Can Avoid Them. Here's the thing. There's a few key things we've all got to do to make sure we unfuck our biz. I've seen all the mistakes and I know how to help you get past them. So here's what I want you to do. Go to www.unfuckyourbiz.com, sign up for the free training, watch it, and do at least one of the homework assignments I share in the masterclass. Promise? Okay, now let's dive into the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 89 of the Unfuck Your Biz podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today I'm super excited because my friend Kelly is rejoining me for another podcast episode. Quick recap, if you missed it, I actually want you to hit pause on this episode and go to the episode that came out yesterday because this is kind of like a two-part series that I am doing with Kelly. So with that in mind, um, I, we're not going to really spend much time of an intro here because we introed Kelly on the last podcast. Again, go listen. We talked all about intellectual property, the difference between trademark, copyright, and patents. And now on today's episode, Kelly is going to teach us all about the process of filing a trademark. So Kelly, I'm just going to dive straight in and ask yeah. you, how do you feel about people DIYing their trademark applications? Um. It, I think it's less about how I feel, or maybe I just feel sad for them. <laughs> like, I don't judge them, but I feel sad for them because I think it's really complicated and I think it's really frustrating. I think that preparing and filing an application is really, really easy. I think understanding what to put in the various fields in the form is really, really, really hard. Yeah, I was expecting you to just lead with don't do it, and then I was going to transition into, so Kelly's going to explain how she does it and at what the actual process is. So I feel like it's easier, since I don't get paid for filing trademarks, it's easier for me to tell people not to do their own trademarks. Yeah, and I, uh, Kelly I think that when we think about, like, what are the areas that we practice in, it's like, you know, I do trademarks and copyrights and internet stuff and then do over law. You do over, do over like law that. is like everybody screwed it up can you help me fix it i like that but it's like so i always tell people within my areas um i bitch about legal zoom all the time on the podcast and i tell people horror stories but i will tell people like this is what you can do on legal zoom this is what you can totally diy and this is what yeah. you absolutely must hire an attorney for so don't ever draft your own partnership agreement go get an attorney Yesterday, we talked about how it's totally fine to DIY your own copyrights, but today, we're not really going to talk about why you shouldn't DIY your trademark. Well, actually, we will a little bit, but we're mostly going to talk about the process. So actually, let's start. This might be a good intro, Kelly. What are, um, what are some like horror stories you've seen with DIY filed trademarks? Like, What do you end up having to fix? that ends up making it not so good in the long run? Well, there's really two things. One is they filed the wrong mark. They're not really using mark that they included in the application or they filed it for the wrong goods or services or not enough of the goods or services. So there's a misalignment between 
what trademark they're using and the products or services they're selling versus what they put in the application. Okay, so let's break that down. We're gonna kind of start from the beginning and tell us, maybe you could give us like a broad overview if there's like a four step or a six step process on how a trademark is, like kind of how it trickles through the funnel, so to speak. What are Absolutely. those Absolutely. So there's six phases. And so let's kind of talk about those from the very beginning to the end. The first step before you file is that you want to clear the trademark. It's basically doing like the recon. Can I actually go into the marketplace with this trademark or am somebody else already using something and I'm going to get into trouble? So that's sort of the first question is, is there, do you have the freedom to go out there and do this without, you know, infringing on somebody else's mark? So you always want to do what we call clearance, which is to make sure it's something you can use. The other thing I say is clearance is make sure that it's something that you can actually like distinguish yourself with. Like you don't want to get a mark that's so close to other people's or what I call it so, so descriptive that nobody knows how you're different from somebody else's. So, you know, if I wanted to call myself the, you know, um, course creator, like, well, how about all these other people who call themselves that too? Like it doesn't make me different. So the first step is clear your mark. So clearance. Step two is to prepare the application. And we are talking about federal trademark applications with the US Patent and Trademark Office. Long story short, applications that you file with your state are meaningless and have no, uh, they do not confer any like legal rights. Long story to that, but they don't mean anything. There's no need to waste your time. But a federal application is what we're talking about. So in the application itself, basically, what you are doing is you're identifying who owns the mark and that's who's applying for it. You wanna identify exactly what the mark is. Are you protecting just the words? Are you protecting like, you know, the words Coca-Cola? Are you protecting the stylization, like the script, like Coca-Cola written out in a script? Are you protecting um, a logo like the Nike swoosh? You know, what are you actually protecting? And you can only include one trademark per application. So you have to decide what you're protecting. Um, side note or fun tip, I always tell my clients to own your words. It's like when you're a little child, they're like, use your words. I'm like, own your words. <laughs> so <laughs> this is kind of like, as an example, Kelly filed my trademark for unfuck your biz. As we go through these steps, you'll have to let me know which of the phases we're in with my trademarks. I'm oh, sure, sure, positive. sure, sure. But when we had the discussion at first, we had a talk because you said you can only have one trademark per application. So I remember you asked me, well, are we using the asterisk for the U? Because in a lot of, in most of my branding, it is there, but in some of it, it's not. So like clearly consistency is key, right? Right. <laughs> yes. So I think that that's what's really important is to make sure that you know exactly what you're doing you know exactly what you're protecting and you're not making, um, you're not essentially making any mistakes. And I see that when you ask me, what are the biggest mistakes? It's just huge because when you're using an asterisk for the you, that's the mark. It's not a you. You may pronounce it. You don't say on asterisk, you know, <laughs> on right. F asterisk CK. That's not how you say it. But I think that that's really important because a registered mark covers what you applied for, period, end of story. So 
in the application itself, we wanna make sure that we include the right mark. The other thing is that this is probably the heart of the application. This is sort of you know, the, the heart and soul is explaining what the products or services are. So, and it's essentially saying like, if we have your trademark, unfuck your biz, and you know, you're offering a podcast, meaning you, you, know, you promote a podcast under that name, then you know, we wanna protect it for podcast services, if that's something that's important. If you're offering educational services, are they online? What kind of educational services are they? Are they membership groups? Are they courses? What are they? So it's a matter of understanding what exactly you're protecting. Now, here's the deal, and this is also another top tip, is to realize when you file an application, you can never add anything to it. So you can't, oh man, I forgot that. Let me go and amend it and add something to it. You can only delete or narrow it. So you wanna find the balance between having a really broad description so that it can encompass as much as you want, but also the trademark has office has rules it's like a little language that you can't be too specific like you couldn't say something like educational courses including but not limited to i mean you have to be specific so we know exactly what it is so getting the mark right getting the description right um also the descriptions are categorized in 45 what we call classes the whole world operates on these 40 this 45 class system you don't protect by class, you protect by description of product or service. The fact that it's in class 41 or class 44, that doesn't matter when it comes to enforcing your trademark. It just happens to be that's how the trademark office organizes it. So don't get obsessed about class, get obsessed about the specific product or service. Interesting. Okay, that's actually something I did not know because I thought the class was very important. Because my understanding was, oh, if I file for it, what class is my trademark under, Kelly? <laughs> 41. It's like, if I filed under 41, my assumption was that, like, I'm basically protected from anyone else using Unfuck Your Biz for a class 41 product or service. But that's not how it works. No, that is not how it works. Because class 41 covers a bazillion types of thing that have nothing to do with what you're doing. So it's literally every product or service known to man yeah. is included in these 45 classes. What it is, and in fact, let me just pull it up so I say it absolutely perfectly. Essentially, what we did is we protected your mark for educational services, namely, that's sort of that being specific, online courses and training programs in the fields of starting a business, growing a business, legally protecting a business, financial strategies, tax strategies, and cash flow management and distribution of course materials therewith. So you can see it's sort of like a weird language, but that's how it's required. And we also protected it for entertainment services, which is providing podcasts in the same fields. So you have, it just happens to be that educational services and entertainment services happen to be in the same class, but there's a lot of entertainment services other than a podcast. And if somebody is offering, you know, um, you know, I don't know, like a circus or something like that, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, so different. The question is just this, is if a customer sees your trademark and someone else's, are they gonna think they're related? The fact that they're both in 41 is irrelevant. It's just a classification. People get all obsessed about that. And it's, it's just a myth.
Well, I think the confusing, what's probably confuses most people and what confused me is that you pay per class, right? So when you said we, we got lucky because both of mine were in the same class, it means I didn't have to pay for two separate applications. I know it's like a annoying thing. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of, that is kind of annoying. Okay. So it sounds like phase two is the big one, or at least where a lot of people like mess up their application. What Kelly, Kelly might try to do like an unfuck your trademark program. I'm going to have to, and if you steal it, I'll have to send you a cease and desist letter, but now we're in conflict of interest territory. Are you talking to me that you're going to have to steal yeah. me? No, I said, I, I said, I said, after talking about all those mistakes people make with their trademarks, you could now have a brand for unfuck your trademark. No, no, that would be likelihood of confusion. Just so <laughs> yes. you know. And, and I will just say this, there's 13 factors that go into determining that. So it's not just your trademark is close to mine. Okay. <laughs> we'll a lot do, that goes we'll, into that. We'll cover the 13 factors in podcast number no. three. <laughs> That'll be podcast 13. I'm just, just saying it's complicated. Yes. All right. So we did two phases. You got to clear it and then you got to apply for it. Uh -huh. Like it's application, clearance application. Once you file the application, it takes a hot minute for it to get sort of sorted through the trademark office and assigned to an examining attorney. And so there's a bunch of attorneys who work for the trademark office and their job is to review applications to make sure that they... Um, are filed correctly and that the trademark itself is, is protectable. And another top tip, in order for a trademark to be protectable, it has to be two things. Well, three things. It has to be unique, meaning it's different from other trademarks. It has to be distinctive, meaning like it has to be, um, it can't describe the products or services that, you know, like you can't own the word coffee for coffee. Like that's actually the name of the thing. It has to be um, distinctive and relationship to the products or services, then it has to be in use in commerce uh, before it'll get registered. So what the trademark office is looking for is, hey, listen, is there anything else that's been filed that would, you know, be confusing, least similar? That's the word we use. Is there like a likelihood of confusion where it's too close? And also, is it distinctive enough? So those are really the two questions. And then they're making sure that the way you describe the products or services, that that meets all the rules. So in, in this examination phase, and usually it's somewhere between three to six months after an application is filed, I've seen it take longer than that. They're gonna issue a letter, it's an official letter. It's called an office action. And it's gonna tell you everything that needs to be fixed with the application. And then you have six months to respond. That is where people who DIY their trademark applications freak out because it's a very, very official letter that's like, your trademark application has been refused. It has been denied because, and they're like, oh, I don't know what that means. So that's my do over law category. And usually it costs a little bit more, except for I'm kind of nice. So it doesn't cost as much. It should, based on, them. yeah, based on the hours worked, it should cost more to fix a trademark after the office action has been filed and if someone were to just hire you from the outset. Oh my gosh, absolutely. But anyway, so what happens is this examination phase is just making sure the application is ready to go. It's good. They believe that it is ready to be registered. And this process can be super fast. It can take a really long time. Your trademark application has just gone through the examination phase and we have just completed it. And then it's gone into phase 
four. So let's, we just cleared, we cleared it, we applied for it, it's gone through examination. Now we go into what's called publication. So this is an interesting sort of situation. Publication is where your trademark application is actually published in an official government publication called the Official Gazette, the Trademark Official Gazette, published by the U.S. Patent Trademark Office every Tuesday, just so you know. And if anybody in the public thinks they'll be harmed by registration of your trademark, they have an opportunity to come in and challenge you. So remember, if you listen to yesterday's episode, we talked about those geographical rights. So let's say that, you know, we, you have your coaching business in California, and then we had the other person with the coaching business in Georgia. Well, if the person in California files the application, but the person in Georgia is like, hey, they don't get national rights. I've been using mine in Georgia and Alabama and Florida, you know, maybe these different parts of the Southeast. The Georgia person can actually come in and say, no can do, and they can file an opposition and like oppose registration. That publication period is open for 30 days. So as a practical matter, you're like, who the hell knows how to do that and that it even exists. That's where having a lawyer is helpful. Um, but it go so your application is currently in publication. So it is out there exposed to the world, waiting to see if anybody believes that they have some rights in your name that are superior to yours and don't want you to have it. We're keeping our fingers crossed. We're keeping our fingers crossed. So that's step four. Well, we went, so we went through the examination phase without any office actions on my trademark, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. So it went pretty fast. Like it, it felt like it went pretty fast. I've also it been crazy It did go very busy. fast. <laughs> what? I said, I've also been crazy busy. So maybe it was six months and just felt like two. No, it actually, no, it went through because we filed on April 17th. But what happened is that it was assigned to the examiner, but because your application was well written by a trademark attorney, <laughs> there weren't, I see as an attorney, we're going to anticipate a lot of these issues. Uh -huh. And so we went into it, but you also have a pretty distinctive trademark and it's very unique. So, yeah, so uh, if we, it was filed April 17th, as May, June, July. It was actually went through examination in a little under three months. Exactly. And awesome. it's in publication. But because we didn't have any office actions, it's literally like as soon as it's assigned, and let me tell you actually the day that it was assigned to an examiner is, um, yeah, because it'll, it'll just tell us that, um, yeah, it was assigned April, May, it was literally three months, so July 9th. The examiner got it and then they went directly to um yep and the publication review was completed on july 13th and it will actually be in publication it'll actually go into the official gazette on august 18th in fact that's such fresh news i haven't even told you yet so now i just oh Okay, so awesome. it's a, I should say it's in the publication phase, but it's not actually in the official gazette. It'll go there from August 18th to September 18th. Okay, so assuming we don't have anyone contest it, on September 18th, we would enter what's phase number five. Okay, then it goes into what's called allowance. So allowance- Jesus, there's so many steps. Okay. Uh, and I know, which is why doing it, and it takes so long, okay? Are we answering our own questions? Yes. Okay, so allowance is where the trademark office says, okay, your 
application is totally good to go. So long as you can, uh, so long as the trademark is being used in commerce for everything listed in the application. So because we actually filed evidence of use at the time that we filed the application, in fact, no, 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 wait, hold on a minute. Let me come up here. You're uh, like asking me all these questions like live and I'm feeling like very on the spot, <laughs> but it's okay because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Sorry, we filed it based on your use. Like, so we basically said, we're not intending to use the mark, we're using the mark. So we filed all that evidence when we filed, which is totally fine. So you aren't, you're, so when we go into allowance, it's basically saying, is the mark in use? If yes, then it goes to stage six, which is registration. And it usually takes 11 weeks to register. So if you file it when it's already in use, do you then have to proactively do anything when it gets to allowance or do you actually just really skip over that? No, you kind of skip over it. So publication, okay. they check, they look at allowance and like, oh no, it's in use. It goes straight to registration because okay. you've gone through, it's essentially you do the internal review and app in examination and then the external review and publication. So if, to put however, this, mm -hmm. sorry, to put the, yeah, I was, I was gonna say what you're probably about to say. If for context, if you filed an intent to use application like Kelly was talking about earlier, then allowance is really kind of like your purgatory to where your mark's gonna hang out uh, until you get it in, into action. Correct, and you get six months to get it into action. Okay. But here's See, the deal. Can't, can't you tell how good of a law student I was, Kelly? You're so good. But <laughs> I just love that you called it purgatory because it's just kind of true. Yeah. But at least this is the kind of purgatory you like can get out of. Yes, and celebrate. Right. You can, you can go to trademark heaven. Okay, so if my mark goes, it hopefully it's, it's published, it's done with publication on September 18th, then we're looking at 11 weeks, which is almost not quite three months. It's like right. two and a half months, right? So then right. October, November, like end of November, hopefully it would be registered. No, closer to Christmas. Okay, closer to Christmas. So yeah, I mean, we, because we just talked about how mine's actually been expedited quite a bit, but we're still April to the end of December, which is what, Without, like eight, that is months? the absolute fastest it will get through. Like that is, and this was a perfect, Essentially, it, there were zero issues, no mm -hmm. hiccups at all. So do you, just tell, do you just tell most of your clients about a year? Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. And okay. I have somewhere in year three. Oh, Jesus. Oof. Um, well, <laughs> I was going to say on that topic, let's talk about, let's talk about costs. <laughs> let's talk about costs. Okay, can I say one other thing about allowance before we do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So here's the deal. You have six months to put your mark in use and get out of purgatory. But if you can't, you can say, hey, can I just stay in purgatory another six months? You can ask for an extension of time for another six months, and you can do that five times. So oh, you're wow. essentially extending your mark out for 30 months. From the and then so and let's say that you've already had like you know six to eight months getting there so we're literally like you know you're like almost at four years but once you get it registered as long as you have finally used it your rights are retroactive to the date you filed so it's like you've been reserving it for four years nice. so back on yesterday's episode when should you file a trademark you decide right away 
<laughs> yeah. So I'm assuming that that's probably like much more common in the tech startup space as well. I mean, most of us, like if you're going to start a photography business, you're going to start like a course business, you know, like it's going to take you a month or two to get your website up and then you're in business. But in bigger businesses that involve a lot more startup capital and planning, I'm sure that's where all of those extensions come in handy. Yeah. I mean, but I got to tell you, for a lot of people who is for course creators, I work with a lot of course creators, they didn't get their course launched. That happens a lot too. Interesting. I guess I'm just like, I'm the person that has an idea and then like doesn't go to sleep that night and they're like the programs launched like that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're different in the most amazing way possible. <laughs> my um my book coach gave me six weeks to write draft one of my books. So it was a little wild. All right. So trademark costs, let's talk about it. Okay, there's two categories of costs. One is filing fees, those go to the trademark office. There's no discount. They're $275 per class. So if you're on, if everything happens to be in class 41, you pay $275. So if trademark in, office does not do like any Black Friday doorbell. No discounts. I will say this, there is a certain type of trademark application with a lower filing fee of $225, but it's a very, very strict type of application. Um, and, and it's kind of think of it almost like a thin sort or like, it's like the skinny latte. It's like the skinny application. So there are fees that will start at 225. I don't use those applications. And most people, even if they do it or file at 225, they're going to end up paying the other 50 bucks for the 275 later because the application ends up not being qualified. I just had to say that because people will be like, you didn't tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they're 275. So, you know, you don't have to put it in more than one class, but you have to file at least one class. So if the minimum cost is 275, then after that would be the service fees. And those depend on how you get help. So are you doing it yourself through the trademark office's website? Obviously then it doesn't cost you anything um, in money anyway. Um, if you do it through LegalZoom, it's whatever LegalZoom charges. If you use an attorney, it's whatever the attorney charges. And attorneys will charge you usually in one of two ways. They will charge you a flat rate for the application part. And then once we get into examination, they will then bill you hourly for examination, publication, allowance, and registration. So they're like, oh, that only cost me 500 or 600 bucks. And then came the rest. So that cost is amortized over time, but it's not as predictable. So you just wanna understand what's your total spend then some attorneys will charge you flat rate for the whole process, which is what I do. And we just take on the risk that we might win some or lose some, but because we understand the process, we, we do that. So really um, there's going to be kind of your two things. And I would say that it's very reasonable for a simple, um, for a pretty simple trademark application that it should run you, um, including, you know, filing fees, if, it, if you're looking anywhere between like $1,250 and $2,000, you're in a really fair space. Okay, that makes sense. So to translate some of this for all of you, because I'm going to put it much more bluntly than Kelly may have. If you hire, like, I was going to say a younger attorney. That's not really fair. You can hire a very experienced attorney who's just now decided that they're going to start doing trademarks. And they might charge you $500 for the filing fee, but then they 
are likely to make many of the same mistakes that Kelly already mentioned that people who DIY their trademarks do, because like myself, they're not as experienced with all these nuances. And then if you end up paying them a normal attorney hourly rate to go through the examination process, which in Southern California really starts at like $250, $300 an hour, it might be a little cheaper other places, but you can get over that $1,200 to $2,000 total pretty quickly. So when Kelly says she does a flat rate, they're kind of hedging their bets that they're not going to have to do a ton of work after they file the application because they're very experienced and they do the application like they did for mine in a way that's more likely to get approved from the outset. So you're kind of taking on more risk that way. Um, but ultimately, there's a good chance that the person who's paying you what might feel like a little bit money is actually going to save some money in the long run. Yes. And also, they have peace of mind because when I need to talk to my client, I want to talk to my client. And if they think I'm billing them hourly and that I'm talking to them, um, you know, that I just want to get paid more, um, I don't want them to be confused about that. And also, I'm going to be friendly to my clients. Oh, I mean, I never bill, if I do bill hourly for something, I'm never going to bill them for saying hi. But I just want them to have a good report. I want them to be comfortable reaching out. And I've learned that with smaller businesses, that's really important. So to know that you have an open line of communication, I have never had a client abuse that, you know? So it's essentially like, I'm going to charge you a flat rate to handle this thing. And, you know, we have some boundaries around that. If a third party comes in and says, hey, no, can do, then, you know, that's going to be a different deal. But if we're just running through those six steps, you know, and we're managing all of the deadlines and we're, you know, we're managing that on our end. Um, yeah, it may be a little bit more, but you also... Um, you know, but you actually have peace of mind knowing that you actually got the right protection. You filed the right mark for the right goods or services. And I always say, it's your name. What's it worth? Right. That makes a lot of sense to me. So let's, let's wrap up by talking just a little bit about, um, to not call out like too many names, I always just call them online filing services. Yeah. And I'm using air quotes for that. What's your opinion on those? Um, I already probably know what you're going to say, but let's get into it. I'm going to tell you, um, you're going to be surprised by my answer. Okay. Um, I, I don't recommend them, but I understand why they're there because there's a market need for them. So I'd rather, I mean, it's better than nothing, but let me tell you what I think is wrong. Two things. One is for most of them, you're not forming an attorney-client relationship with anybody or anything. So your, your whole relationship with them is governed by their privacy policy. So it's like you do legal Zoom and you enter all, answer all their questions. Like down the road, if you're ever sued for trademark infringement, none of the information you put in there is like protected by the attorney-client privilege. So you don't have a lawyer advocating for you. So that's number one, it's, it's not protected. And the other one is with a filing service, um, they're not actually looking to see if that's actually what your business needs. You're telling them what you need instead of them asking you or telling you what you need. So it's a total reversal. And that's why I think they're dangerous. Um, but I also, I, I understand why they're there because legal services are expensive, but I, I think that they're a grotesque oversimplification. Does that mean some people will get through and be fine? Sure. But yeah. for the most part, um, it, it's just a, it's, it's putting the onus on the wrong party. A layperson does not know how to 
choose the does not know how to create or make a legal analysis or actually make a legal decision about their own business, they need support on that. Yeah, so I have a couple a couple of additional notes on this. First of all, I always like to give this analogy because this is something that one of my Unfuck Your Biz students told me when I did like a testimonial call with her and I thought it was such a good analogy. She said that she actually initially filed her LLC on LegalZoom, but when she filed it, she said it was a lot like going to the car mechanic and you get a report of all the stuff you need to fix but you're looking at an a la carte menu and you're like, well, I'm not a mechanic. So like, I don't know which options to say yes. Like if I get this one thing, is the wheel gonna fall off my car when I'm going down the highway or is it just gonna get me like an extra five horsepower? That's a big oh, difference. It's a perfect example. Yeah, really good example. But for you, it's almost like with the trademark, it's even more complicated because instead the analogy is we're going to the mechanic and I have to tell you what's wrong with my car and then have you fix it. So that's the right. way I look at it. The other thing is, is I'm curious for you to tell me how the trademark application actually works. Cause I always tell people like what really pisses me off and drives me crazy is that legal zoom actually charges you $80 to do your EIN. And if you guys, so guys, this is the way it works. If you go to the IRS website to do your EIN, it's an online application. You're putting in your name, your address. It has a drop-down menu for your type of business. That's, it's, a for, it's an online form. So right. when you go to LegalZoom and pay them to do your EIN, you're filling out their form where maybe they've made the questions easier to answer, but probably not, but you're filling out their form. And then they're electronically transposing all that information onto the IRS's form. So you're paying money like for a middleman process that doesn't make the process any easier. And I would assume that the trademark applications gotta be like the exact same thing. Or do you actually have a person that you communicate with that fills it out for you in that Oh, case? no, 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 not on LegalZoom. Okay. You don't have, it's not legal services. There is no person. It's all technologies and it's artificial intelligence. So essentially they're taking your answers. They're matching them up with what, looks to be the right description of goods or services and then they're spitting it out and then the other thing is you're the point of contact for the trademark office whereas if a lawyer files the lawyer's the point of contact so once it's filed legal zoom is done they take your however much they charge now and it's it's over if you want to buy their network of attorneys and get a lawyer who's a part of the legal zoom network who may or may not have ever filed a trademark application then you can pay more for that Okay, this <laughs> may or may not ever file one. That's funny. Um, so when it comes, because when it comes to LLCs, I always tell people, well, I always tell people to buy my course. Obviously, join my program, the number one solution. That's why I created it. But if you're not going to do that, like either totally DIY it or hire an attorney because yes, that middle that I middle option is pointless. I am with you, hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Good. So either go straight to the USPTO website and like roll the dice and file it or go straight to Kelly's office or another attorney to right, have it done exactly. by a professional. Right. Because the middle, the middle ground, it's like $300 for like basically nothing. Well, yeah, it's just, it's a false sense of confidence and it's like a translation service. Yeah. But if you was, Google, there's enough blog posts on this stuff, like just start Googling around and you'll figure out somebody's done a YouTube video on it. Yeah, I was like, what? I recorded a podcast episode on this. It was titled Stop Paying for Bullshit. And I was like, I hope that like LegalZoom doesn't ever try to sue me for slander, but I haven't said anything that's untrue. So they would not have a claim, would they? No, because what's defamation? It, it can't be true. Right. Right? I yeah. mean, you'd, you'd be. The 
I was just saying, you'd be the person to ask for that. Although that's not technically intellectual property. It's tort law, but still, I don't know. It doesn't, it's all sort of like, yeah, but trademark infringement and copyright infringement is a tort. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Fine. Torts can be like episode seven. So we don't ever really need to get into torts. (laughs) It's in my book. Everyone go get my book. I talk about torts in there. I always say it's the bad things you do, but they're not crimes. You can't go to jail for them. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. When people always say like, oh, you're going to like... And never mind. We don't need, we don't no. need to go down that rabbit hole. Because we could talk, like, we could talk about the OJ case. Everyone gets really confused about that because he was acquitted, like, for the criminal charges. But then he, people always say he was found guilty in another case. But that no, was I, a tort. It was a civil, he was civilly sued, right? Right. Or am I thinking about someone no, no, no. different? Okay. No. So what they're having is, was he legally responsible versus did he commit a crime for which he can lose his freedom? Or, yeah. you know, did he do something that, you know... It, it's sort of like, did he put into motion a chain of events that he should hold some sort of responsibility for it? But yeah, um, there's I think a different the other legal thing, standard there as well. So, well, all of that, totally different. All of that's very different. I think the other thing that's important is like with trademarks and copyrights, you're also responsible for policing your own stuff. There's no trademark police, there's nobody out there being like, you know, looking out for you. There's no watchdog. Um, and trademark infringement. It's a tort, not a crime, which means that people, you have to go after somebody yourself. You can't call the, like the prosecutor and be like, can you go like charge them with a trademark crime? Like that doesn't exist. <laughs> so you're, yes. you've got to do it yourself. So you might as well set yourself up. And, and I'll say this as sort of a closing comment. I mean, at the end of the day, how much do people invest in like, you know, courses and, um, you know, uh, technology platforms, they invest all this money to start something, but then they get sort of weak in the knees about protecting their name on the internet. And if you just step back and you're like, prioritize, if somebody steals your name, they've stolen everything. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Kelly, you would really appreciate this. I was talking to another attorney friend the other day, and she told I told her I was reading my book out loud to edit it, and she goes, "Oh my God, did you know that Microsoft Word has a read aloud function now?" And I said, "No," and she said, "Yeah, I have I have Microsoft Word uh, read back to me all of my cease and desist and demand letters because it makes me feel powerful." <laughs> I'm just gonna send them to you and have you. But read them aloud to me on Zoom. <laughs> I love it. I'm down for it. Okay. So to wrap up real quickly, um, Kelly, I'm going to plug your freebie for you since we talked about it last time. Um, it's an infographic, right? Uh, yeah, actually, they're going it, to, it's um, an infographic on the timeline. Oh, okay. So we have like a whole timeline, this awesome freebie that Kelly put together for you, which you can grab at kellykeller.com forward slash Brayden. That's Kelly with an E-Y, Keller, K-E-L-L-E-R, kellykeller.com forward slash Brayden. Um, that's all we have for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, make sure that you subscribe, tune in for more. And I have a special treat coming up in the next um, several weeks. Don't know totally when they're going to come out yet, but Kelly and I are going to do some really quick uh, Q&A episodes, and those will be dripped out as well. Kelly, I forgot to ask you on the last episode, but if someone wants to uh, get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, send me an email. Oh, okay. actually, I probably shouldn't do that. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Kay Keller at thekellerlawfirm.com. Kay Keller at thekellerlawfirm.com. 
or you can go to kellykeller.com or thekellerlawfirm.com and submit an inquiry through my website. Can I just say, Kelly, I think we were both equally blessed with great law firm, with great attorney names, law firm names. Oh, totally. The Kelly Keller Law Firm. And then it's, I would, Braden Drake Law is my law firm name. I know. Well, it's just like, but like kellykeller.com is in its like, actually by the time this comes out, it'll totally be new and awesome. So yeah, uh, but I actually offer a lot of like coaching and speaking and strategy stuff through my personal website, kellykeller.com. And then my legal services are over at thekellerlawfirm.com. But at the end of the day, all roads lead to Kelly. So yes, we'll, we'll pick it up. But no, seriously, I don't mind a, a direct email either. Okay, Keller at thekellerlawfirm.com. I mean, enough of this fancy stuff already. <laughs> all right. So go get the freebie, email Kelly, make sure to rate and leave a review for the podcast. And I will be uh, back in your podcast app next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.